so I bumped in. I was I was I think I was watching YouTube or something, and I watched some video and some guy talking about you know starting an Amazon business. And I was like, Amazon business. And I, I and I because I always thought like eBay reselling, and I was like, eh. So I started researching that, and we decided uh, I decided to start an Amazon business with my kids. And um, so I went to my son. I think he was thirteen or fourteen at the time. I said, Micah, you want to be an investor in my business? And, and I said, and I did the math for him. I said, you give me, give me, if you give me 500 bucks, you know, within two to three years, that could turn into like $2,000. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have a very special guest today. I have Ralph Cochran with me. He is an 18-year veteran of implementing marketing and development growth strategies for Christian schools and businesses. He is the president of Scala, which is an inbound marketing agency committed to helping Christian schools grow enrollment. Uh, he also has podcasts, a huge YouTube channel, and, uh, and even did something special that we're going to dive into with his kids about doing an Amazon e-commerce store. And uh, mentioning that, he's got six kids. Uh, one just headed off to college and, uh, and, and, a, and a wonderful wife. And so I want to welcome you to the, to the show, Ralph. Thank you. Pleasure to be well, here. We've, Thank you. we've got a lot of different ways to go uh, to kind of get the conversation going. But I think what I really want to start off with is that because you've been in the industry for 18 years working with Christian schools, um, I'm curious to kind of find out, like, where do you, where, how do you bring an impact into that arena? Yeah, I mean it kind of connects to my backstory. I had, my pastor had asked me to start a Christian school in um, 1998, I think it was. And so actually it's longer than 18 years. Um, but it's, uh, um, and I did that and didn't really, I was, I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. Um, I just had a passion for Christian education because it didn't really, it had impacted my life. And uh, um, so for me, I ended up, you know, starting, um, a Christian school, um, not really knowing what to do. And so for, for, so in that story of doing that and being part of, in our case, we started a classical Christian school and we started an area that wasn't really popular for Christian schools, which is in New Jersey. And, um, we, uh, you know, dived into that. So I think through the years, um, I've been able to connect with other school leaders, um, uh, just as, as a board president and founder. So that gave me a lot of connections and be going to conferences and kind of, you know, Hey, what do you know, talk to people like oh, this just happened. What do you do? <laughs> you know, and just kind of get building those kind of relationships where, you know, in the middle of a, you know, a triage, which I think a lot of school leaders probably and many business owners today are going 
going through in this past few months is realizing they can't figure it out on their own. And um, so that that's the way it is for starting a Christian school. And so, so anyway, I think that's kind of the landscape for me. I, I have a lot of connections around the country and even around the globe. Um, in fact, the next week um, or two weeks from now, I guess I'm doing a virtual conference for 500 Christian schools in Nigeria, which just kind of wow. came about, which is kind of weird. Um, but, uh, it's, my mission is to help Christian schools grow. So, um, and for them, I'm, you know, it's not part of my core program. Their tuition is $1,200 a year. So they're not going to be able to afford my services. So I'm just helping them out and stuff, giving back that way. But I, I really enjoy that opportunity. And so I'm looking forward to doing that. So is that, um, I'm just going to use a word because of impact. Yeah. Yeah. And giving back and, just, I, it's my mission. I mean, yeah. it's, I feel, I feel called to do this and, um, and, uh, I've been through a lot and seen a lot. And, um, I think, uh, that's, that's a big part of just, you know, a responsibility I have. So when you started there, you didn't, uh, you didn't have a full blueprint is what you're saying, right? I did not <laughs> back then. Like there wasn't even as many people, I started this type of school called a classical Christian school and that movement had just kind of gotten going in the, mid nineties. And so it was like 98, 99. And, uh, you know, so, and I didn't have any credibility and again, I didn't have kids, children, I don't have any education background. I still don't. So, um, you know, so anyway, that's, it's good. It was just kind of like, let's, let's get this done. It's needed. There's a need. And, um, and then, uh, yeah. So then I had to have kids and that, to fill the school later on. <laughs> <laughs> well, with six of them, you've done pretty well on your tuition, uh, work. So, um, so uh, I guess what I would I would kind of question that is that I don't think a lot of people think of Christian schools as entrepreneurial endeavors, right? But um, I think just in the in the, in the back of your mindset. But what you've kind of done is 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 taking this into a marketing and a business mindset, right? Like more, have you been able to help people streamline that way? Is that yeah, focus? yeah? So I guess the my business right now, I'll fast forward. So 12 years later, 2000 to 2012, I went through the recession. I was kind of burnt out. I, and I, I, did, I was, it was philanthropic on the side. I actually owned a, I had started a commercial real estate business. I invested in mobile home parks and did that for um, several years. And I ended up shutting that down and also just kind of deciding that I needed to get out of the day-to-day grind of like overseeing this ministry and um, I moved on. And so um, I ended up then in 2012-13 starting a cons- doing consulting, helping Christian schools grow their enrollment. And I, I narrowly focused on enrollment growth, even though I had d- done a lot in fundraising and there's other areas that are popular for consultants. But I saw a huge gap that most school leaders didn't know what it took to grow a school. And, um, and a lot of them aren't current, weren't current on the latest ways of marketing. Um, and so they were using old methodologies that were ineffective and, and very expensive. And I was taking kind of best practices from the business world, applying them into the educational world in a certain way. And, um, and, then, and I, that's, that's how I started my consulting agency. And eventually that grew into more of what it is today, which is um, where we have more of a, a school growth um, coaching and mentorship program that helps people um, have a, a four-month program, a system that helps them get quick wins, lead generation, get campus visitors. The biggest problem schools have today 
is how do I get people to actually visit my campus? And, um, and, and today it's virtually visit too, right? So yeah. I was gonna, do you mean today is in like in general or like because of the pandemic? Um, in general. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, the shift in that was the virtual side of it. Most schools, you know, most schools just assumed everyone could visit their campus and that was their business model for eons. It was never questioned until April of this year. And then all of a sudden you realize, wait a second, I have to enroll next year's and next fall's enrollment and I can't get my, and it was peak season for these schools. Um, and they can't get people to come visit their campus. So what do you do? And so they had to adapt. And um, that, that was a big part of how to adapt. And they're not, you know, they were just, that was just when they were learning how to run a classroom on zoom for the first time. And they have teachers who, you know, a lot of them didn't even have a lot of experience with technology. So there's just, it was a lot of things that, you know, forced these schools to adapt. So we were there to support the clients that were ours and um, help them get over that hump. And, you know, it's, it, it was good to be there for them. And then we've also have acquired a lot of new clients since then. That's been a great, you know, and it's, it's so for us, it's been like an opportunity to kind of lean into this and say, okay, we're here. This is why we built this company. This is the purpose of it. Let's give, let's help. And, uh, and um, we're, we're delighted to see, you know, how we've been able to have a bigger impact just over the past six months. So, you know, I just read an article um, on varsity tutors that said that 47% uh, of parents were considering dropping school and going to homeschooling. I'm mm -hmm. curious if you guys have seen enrollments go up because I think typically in the Christian schools, they're smaller classrooms, a little more, I want to say attention to detail, right? Yeah. It's, kind of a, it's kind of a middle ground, right? Between like going full public school to, you know, it's a, a, to full virtual learning. You right. Know? Um, have you, what, what has been the um, impact on enrollments that you've seen? Well, so I have a unique vantage point that we have clients all over the country and all different types of schools. So I have Christian schools who have like a homeschooling hybrid model where they mm -hmm. two days a week, you go on site and the other three are at home. Then I have schools with a thousand students in them. And, um, and, and then I have schools who are just starting. Um, and uh, which is kind of crazy if you think about that. So um, it's, I see everything. So it, it's hard. It's a hard question to answer, like yeah. as a generic answer. Well, I guess if you were to break them down into those groups, though, so are the big schools doing all right? Are they having trouble? Or, the, are the, are the, or is it just, yeah. or is it just depend on the faculty and the way that they're run? Because I would know. Yeah, like I would say, there. yeah. So the schools that are our clients, I'm, yeah. I'm a little overconfident here, but I mean, <laughs> they're, they're, the bigger schools, the ones that have struggled, it, yeah. it was, it was, um, like especially in July, there was so much uncertainty. Now there's a lot more certainty so that they can see kind of what's happening. Um, and so people, parents weren't like returning. And then it was like, okay, well, guess what? You know, there's going to be a surge here coming in August, um, early August. And, and that's exactly what happened. And we were able to be prepared for that. Um, and also like when the public schools um, in certain parts of the country were saying, you know, you have to, you know, mask or no mask, you know, it's like the great Shakespearean question, right? So, um, <laughs> you know, and so when that was a big issue, you have a lot of families that say, I'm not coming back to school if my kid has to wear a mask. And so, or they find out what's going on in the public school. And then for the first time, sometimes in the public schools, the parents are kind of like 
seeing the quality of the education and some are pleased with it and a lot weren't. And they're like, wait a second, this is what I'm getting. And they realized um, free is too expensive. Um, yeah. and, and so there was a lot of questioning of things. So, so that's actually helped the private school sector a lot. Um, I have seen a few schools um, struggle with it. And I think it really, at the end of the day, you said it in your question is it comes down to the leadership. Um, the schools that are, the leader, the head of school or the board is more passive or kind of, I would say, afraid. Um, the, the parents sense that and they want to follow. They're, they're wanting to follow. So the schools that really step out and have that lead. So we've been able to coach our schools. So, and point so you feel like out. they're looking for leadership? Yeah, leadership's a big deal right now. And um, I think it, I, it, you know, we've kind of talked about being a business anyway. And I think that when there's crises, right, or there's, because it doesn't necessarily have to be a pandemic, obviously, right? When there's business crises, because we all have business cycles and business companies, and you've been a long time veteran, like when things are going bad, if the leader of the company steps up and leans into it, I think the rest of the company kind of generally follows. And I'm just kind of hear you saying that with like, yeah, if the leadership yeah. of the school leaned in and said, no, we're going to take this by the rain. This is what we're going to do. Right? Yeah. And you just clarity so that yep. they now know, okay, now I can make my decision. Like these guys yeah. have clarity. I think that when there's uncertainty is when you feel that kind of, you mentioned weakness, but it's, yeah. you, know, you have that uncertainty. I think that's what causes a lot of the strife. Yeah. And I think there's a gracious way to do it too. Like, even if they say, Hey, we're opening and your kids, but we also know that some of you aren't comfortable with that, or you maybe have a grandparent who lives at home with you and you don't want your child coming back. Like, and there's all these, like, that's okay. We also are allowing virtual learning too. So the smart, the best of my clients, what they're doing is they're also having a virtual option too, um, which is really, really smart. And then the parents feel like they're cared for and they can, they have exit strategies where they can still be in the school, but yet not. So like, and then like my, my kids, for example, are in volleyball of my girls and, you know, and we can't go watch their games. <laughs> and then yet they can go play volleyball and it's just, there's, and yet there's leadership there in that school. And then I'm like, well, wait, can we get another venue? Can we do this outdoors? Like in just, and then I talked to the athletic director and she said, yeah, we've considered all those options and we, this is what we can do. And here's what, so just to know that they thought through things is, yeah. is very helpful. And, um, so and then the, you're the positioning, going, right. The positioning of the, the explanation, yeah. instead of just saying, this is what we're doing, but actually have a, yeah. I, or if I, you have I, questions, yeah. call me or reach yeah. out and then they're, and they're not like, Hey, stop asking dumb questions kind of thing. Or we got this, leave us alone. It's not, you don't get that kind of attitude, right? So yeah. it, it builds confidence with the parents. And because and, and they just want to know that, that the people leading them are thinking through things more than they're thinking through things. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and safety is number one. Um, and it really has always been that way for private and any, any school in particular. If you think of, you know, shootings and all the horrible things we heard about over the past, you know, couple decades you know this this is even in medical you know safety too and safety is a big deal for for parents and um i always tell in our marketing strategy before this ever happened the deep question a new prospect in their mind is is this school safe and do they love jesus and is it a place that the values represent my family's values and they have this radar up and they're looking you know hey is this are these people cult leaders or are they, you know, <laughs> you know, who are they? And I'm going to drop my baby off there six hours, eight hours a day. And where, where are they going? And I'm not just going to do that blank. Cause it's a major, major life decision to yeah. choose 
the type of education your child has and where you're going to drop them off. It's not, it's not the same thing as buying a house, buying a car, even though they're the big life decisions. But I always tell my, my um, clients, like it's one of the top five to 10 life decisions a parent will bet make, you know, who you get married to, what, if you get married, what college you go to, what career you have to, whether you go to college, you know, where you're going to live and then you're going to have kids where you're going to educate them. It's one of those big life decisions, not what kind of car am I going to get or where am I going to go on vacation? Those are important decisions, but they're not, you make the, those are not on the level like that. And so because of that, knowing, helping my clients understand who their audience is, what they need, how they're thinking and the better they can communicate and message to them, that's part of the leadership process. So the marketing it actually forces a change in the culture of the school because it forces the leadership to think differently about their customers than they have done in the past. And so oftentimes they just kind of get the customer in and expect them to follow what they put in place. Here's our curriculum and you're going to go through the cattle shoot thing. Well, guess what? Those days are over and um, you have to adapt and be versatile and the schools aren't used to that. They're kind of like legacy machines. And so, so anyway, well, the good news is it creates opportunity. Right. Yeah. And that, that creates opportunity yeah. Yeah. for the, for those that look at businesses. Yeah. Because this is, you know, the smartphone, the, the internet, it's all the great equalizer, right? Like, so now they're super educated. So like you said, you can't just walk them through and say, yeah, that's what we're doing. That's right. They're not aware of the problem. You have to educate about the problem first that you can solve it. Right. (laughs) And so you're, you're educating them. Listen, this is a top major decision. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know that as a, as a dad, my wife was much more involved with her schooling, but like, um, it, it was, we ended up moving because we wanted to be in a different school district. And it was like, I, once I started seeing the dynamics inside of a school, I was like, I don't know why I never thought about this. You know, you start to see the impact of the leadership that throughout the school and it, you can really feel it for the teachers because they have direction, you know, the, and they're influencing your, the, you know, your kids yeah, are pretty much your right. biggest asset that, that you'll ever have, you know? And like, to me, like it's the one thing, if I'm going to hand them off for eight hours a day, <laughs> Like, I want to make sure that I have good, you know, good, good people that I'm handing these people, you know, to my, my important people too, you know? Yep. Well, that's um, right. that's right. So, so I want to shift gears on this a little bit. Okay. So I want to talk about, you mentioned something earlier, uh, when we were kind of offline, just talking about this, about you decided to build a business with or for your kids, right? Can you kind of dive into what that, what you did? Yeah. So it was roughly say 2013, 14, I was noticing my kids were becoming bigger <laughs> and they were uh, looking more like adults. And, um, and I was like, oh my goodness, I need to teach them um, more about life. And I, I'm, a, I'm kind of a big advocate of um, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and um, just the, the whole idea of um, training um, young people and even myself, cause I just, my, my own story with entrepreneurship and I, what my family does not have a, an entrepreneurial background. And so, um, I, I was very impacted by investing in real estate through Robert Kiyosaki's program back in the early two thousands. And, um, so anyway, the, the main thing that happened for me was, um, I saw my kids growing up and I, I was like, okay, I need to do something cause I haven't. And, um, so I said, I need to start a business with them. And then I started kind of like looking for different businesses. And I was like, eh, investing in real estate is going to be, they're too young. Cause they were like 13, 14, 15 years old. And um, so I bumped in, I was, I was thinking I was watching YouTube or something and I watched some video and some guys talking about, you know, starting an Amazon business. And I was like, Amazon business. And I, I and I, cause I always thought like eBay reselling and I was like, eh. So 
I started researching that and we decided, uh, I decided to start an Amazon business with my kids. And um, so I went to my son, I think he was 13 or 14 at the time. And I said, Micah, you want to be an investor in my business? And, and I said, and I did the math for him. I said, you give me, give me, if you give me 500 bucks, you know, within two to three years, that could turn into like $2,000. And, um, you know, and, and this is what it would look like. Boom, boom, boom. And then, and I, and he said, and then, and then what happened was, is, um, he had to make a choice whether he, he was saving that money for a PlayStation at the time. It was going to be his place, the PS4. And I think that was right after it first came out, like or soon thereafter. And so he decided to invest that money with me rather than buy the PS4. And, um, and that was how we bought our first inventory. But then my daughter, who was a year older than him, I think she was 12 or 13 years old. She was our shipper. So we out of our garage. So we went and bought the inventory and, uh, and I had gone to a conference by the way, like I, I literally personally went to a conference in Florida and heard about it and came back, opened the account. And I was like, okay, now I got to get my kids plugged in it. And that's, so I kind of like, how can I do it in like little bite size yeah. chunks where it's not like this big, massive thing. And I, so, so Micah would went and bought, we bought some inventory and then Laura trained her how to ship it in to Amazon. She became my shipper and I paid her. Like I said, you can, I said, you can either invest or you can get paid. Like, I think it was like slave labor, like six bucks an hour. I shouldn't say that line here, but, um, but, uh, you know, she, she, so I, I gave her like five, six bucks an hour and she was like, and she, she chose not to invest. So Micah chose to invest. Laura didn't, Laura did sweat, um, actually worked and got paid and um, she was our shipper. And then, so we did that and it was kind of a slow thing over like the first um, six months, we only sold, like we shipped in a, you know, maybe literally like over that whole span of time, I think we sold $2,000 worth of stuff. And, you um, FBA? and then, you, and then after right that, here? yeah, F, yeah, FBA? yeah, FBA. Yeah. 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 And I, so I still, I still have that business today. And, um, so then we kept doing that. And then they, what happened was when they would work, I would do it on the side. Like I would go out and buy stuff and then kind of, you know, flip it, put it back in. They would come with me shopping and we'd scan stuff and, you know, buy low, sell high kind of thing. And then uh, we did that for the next like year or so. And um, we would, when we go on vacation, we'd stop at an outlet market and, you know, stop at a Nike outlet and buy shoes and flip them, that kind of thing. And so they, they would always have my, the car would be jammed full of shoes or something and all our <laughs> luggage and stuff. So it kind of became like a little thing we would do, but it was inconsistent. And then eventually um, started scaling it up. And uh, we, um, I was actually just looking at the numbers. I can pull it up here. Um, we, we were just looking at the numbers um, last night and um, just like last year, like, so here I can actually you can kind of see it there if you, if you can see it on there, we, uh, that's so far a year to date, we did 1.16 million in sales last year. We did 2.1 for the whole year. So this year we're trending towards that. And, um, did you guys, so you know, what, what, so was anyway, the change? It's, it's, uh, what, what was the change from driving to the outlet malls and selling? Well, I realized they couldn't. Yeah. We realized we needed to hire people that could work in the business. Like I needed a shipper. Laura could only do it like on the weekends, and I was doing it. My wife, we were kind of getting sick of it kind of thing. And so then we realized we need to hire someone. And so it started out as kind of this pipe dream of like, oh, my kids will be in business. and do it. But then like school got in the way or they're not like, and you had to be real with them. They're, they're kids and I don't want them, 
you know, sucking their life away and this thing. So they would work. So we got a full time person to ship for us and I would still go out and buy as I could um, on the side when I was traveling around, whatever. And then, um, and then my kids would sometimes come with me, but then eventually um, they would just plug in at certain times of year. So like I have pictures with them, like on black Friday, we're up till three, four in the morning shopping and we bought dollars $40,000 worth of stuff. And, um, would come back and ship it into Amazon. We've done that consistently for like the past three, four years. And um, so, yeah, so that's like, it's, it's been a great experience and they saw it and they've seen it grow now. And now I'm actually selling it in the process of selling it. It looks like to my employees. Um, but like last year we did 2.1 million in sales and we also hired shoppers. So my kids now aren't in it and they were kind of working a little bit, but it's just, it's kind of turned this thing. It's not, really the right fit for them with their schedules and the rest, you know, when they have play practice, volleyball, basketball, whatever it is, it just, I, I couldn't, the, the, the business kind of became its own thing, but they still plug into it. But the main thing that's really cool for it, for my kids is lots of conversations happen, right? Yeah. There's lots of conversations about, you know, buying stuff and buy low, sell high, you know, how you manage inventory taxes and implications of that's, that didn't work. We got this return. So they just kind of saw it and they saw when it stunk and they saw when it was good. Um, they understood just because you sell a lot, millions of dollars doesn't mean you make money. <laughs> so there's a difference of revenue versus profit. 100%. Yeah. So, so that's, yeah. So anyway, that's, that's been lots and lots of conversations in there that kind of happened organically through that process. Um, and um, so I think it's, it's been good for them just to see. And then, like then their friends will be like, Hey, can I come work for you? And even their parents, I've had parents come and end up working for me and stuff from their school and stuff. So, so I think that dynamic just for them to kind of crack the egg and see there's another dimension to life than yeah. just kind of going out and getting a job. Now my, my oldest son this summer worked at Walmart, right? So he got a full-time job working at Walmart. And then my other daughter works at a grocery store and they were both the original two that worked in it. But that's actually been good for them too. Cause now like my son was like saying to me, we were in a trance like, I can't believe like you just made a hundred bucks in an hour and that's what I make in a week, you know, with my, you know, job. And I was like, God, I like, to me, that's home run. He got, he gets it. Like he might not be able to implement it now, but I'll tell you what, when he's, you know, next four or five years when he's coming out of college and, you know, and we're also making them pay a portion of college. And, and that's, that's been, uh, I've seen that kind of light click on. Cause I tell them, listen, those professors work for you. You have to be respectful of them, but they work for you. So if you're getting fed a bunch of crap, you don't have to pay for that. If you want to go to a different college or something, you know, so that's, that's, he goes to a Christian college. So hopefully it's pretty good, but, and we think it's a good school, but at the same time, I challenge them just to say, listen, you have to have a disposition that, you know, you're paying for this and you're trying to get an education and make sure you're getting an education. And um, so that, that, so all of that kind of mentality instead of an entitlement, but just like they have to actually work to get to, to give a capitalistic mindset. I feel like that process of the Amazon business has been helpful to them. That is uh, those are lessons that the earlier you figure them out, you know, the bigger the world's problems you can go out and solve. So now if he knows leverage, he knows the cash flow quadrant, you know, and he knows like, okay, all right, there's, there's a, but if I see a problem. I can go out to, to leverage this thing and, and, and make the bigger yeah. problem you solve, the more money you make. Right. And That's so, right. um, you know, it, it was something I learned later in life, but with money talkers, that's literally the lessons that like, 
what you went through with that Amazon business is literally the lessons that I think that it's some of the most important information that our kids could be passed on. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely true. Yeah. And it's not taught in the educational system. And that's, at least bit. yeah. In fact, I have, so here's one thing I do too. tip for all your parents out there. Um, I um, pay my kids to read books on, on books. I want them to read. So my son has a book. It's about this thick. It's by Robert Kiyosaki. It's called, why C students work for A or why A students work for C students. He has it at college. The other day he called me and was saying like, yeah, like I'm conserving the money I got, but I'm also, I'm probably going to need more at the end of the semester. And I go, well, you're going to have to figure out how to make that money. And I go, remember there's that book I told you you can read if you write a little essay on it. And I told him this summer, I gave it to him and, and I said, I'll give you a hundred dollars to read this book. And, um, and I know that book will like totally get in his head. And, um, and so he just asked to send me a little essay that he read it and, um, and to tell me about it. And uh, we'll have a discussion and that's the easiest hundred bucks I'll ever give him, you know? So 1000%. Yeah. That's what uh, we, I picked up that trick from um, someone that I heard speak a couple of years ago and I did the same thing. They give $5 if they get, a, if I pick a certain type of book and my kids are younger, but yeah, you know, they're reading smaller <laughs> books, but I they I do pay them to learn self education, to learn about money, to learn about just positive mindsets and those kinds of things, and it has a massive impact on the way we see the world, the way we think. That's right. Know? And like yeah. I said, it's the, that's the cheapest hundred dollars you're ever going to spend because it will teach them to be self reliant. Because I know I, I've read all of Kiyosaki stuff, and I love my same thing. It was life changing for me. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad the first time. I immediately I was 19 years old, and I told everyone I was going to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. <laughs> and then uh it happened <laughs> and then uh and then i lost everything and uh i started over i read the book again and i saw everything completely different for the second time yeah just the first the first time changed my view the second time changed my view from the first time you know right. like as i there was so much information and lessons in there but um yeah that's right um well, listen, Rob, I want to say thank you, man, so much. I, I really appreciate what you're doing out there with your mission. Um, I think, that, like I said uh, earlier, this is one of the areas that people probably don't feel like as much, doesn't need as much business advice, but I would kind of argue that it probably needs more business advice because, like I said, it's kind of just a open the doors and see who comes in type of deal. And if they're proactively going out to, to um, you know, using general entrepreneurial marketing tactics, and, and bringing their message out to more and more people so that they can bring out there. I think, I think it's a great mission, man. I really Thank appreciate you. what you're doing. And um, so if people want to find out more about you, where's the, uh, where's the best place to find more about Ralph, Ralph Cochran? Um, yeah. So you can go to my, um, my marketing agency website, I guess, uh, schoolinboundmarketing.com. Um, schoolinboundmarketing.com. I also have a book I wrote. Um, I don't have a copy with me. It's called Story Marketing for Christian Schools. Um, there's a website for that called, uh, schools. Yeah. Schoolstorymarketing.com. I think the website, I'm not even remembering. Um, <laughs> I'll, put some, I'll put some links in the show notes. Yeah. So. Brent, Brent, my assistant can get you the, those links, but yeah, that, so that, that, it's actually free plus shipping. So the, the book you can actually, uh, you just pay, cover the shipping. We'll send it to you. But, um, if you get that link, so, but yeah, that's that, that would, if anyone was to kind of, if you're involved in those kind of groups or you're in a leadership position, you want to check us out please do what about the uh what about your youtube and, and podcast yeah so i'm so i'm a marketing mind i'm a strategist and so um one of the so one of the schools my kids went to um 
uh, in Delaware for, we lived down in Delaware for a few years. And um, a friend of mine, I bumped in, uh, that was a teacher, what teacher at the school came to me and asked, Hey, you know, Ralph, I'd like to, you know, not just be teaching students for the next, you know, you know, years ahead, but I want to teach thousands and, and impact them. How would I do that? And so I gave him some tips. And a lot of times when I talk to, I get people that come up to me like pastors and teachers, like, Oh, how do I market? How do I do this? And I tell them, and they usually don't listen to me. Um, and, uh, they, they, they just, they started, or they're not consistent. Well, um, Dr. Steve Turley, um, actually did listen to me and he went out and did some things I told him to do. Um, I think he started a Twitter channel and, um, came back to me a few months later and said, Hey, I did what you said. And I grew the Twitter channel. We're up to like 25,000 Twitter followers. And I was like, what? He did what? <laughs> like, I go like, home to my wife. I'm like, dude, this, this guy listened to me. I couldn't believe it. Like I was shocked. And she's like, I know that's kind of rare. And then, so then we started building friends. I was like, okay, if someone's going to listen, I'll start helping. And then he's like, what do I do next? And so then we were chatting more about some of his views on things and his, his thinking and, and this idea of him finding a voice. And he, he had this great, um, he, he had done his um, doctorate at, uh, on um, cultural anthropology and had been researching these trends going on in Europe with uh, what they called nationalist populism, which we kind of know it is today, but like 2015, 16, you know, people didn't really in America didn't even use that term. And um, so anyway, he had seen those trends over there and he predicted that um, someone was going to become president that was going to be representative of the populist nationalist trend and right at that time this is right before brexit happened and so so long and short long short story i said steve you need to go online start a youtube channel and and talk about that case and so basically he thought about it for a few months and then started putting together some ideas and i think november 1st of 2016 he made the case and this is why donald trump would win the presidency and it wasn't because of some left versus right thing it was more connected back to the scholarship he had done and seen trends overseas and that scholars were predicting. So it connected it more to an intellectual framework and people really were like, wow, that's different. And they hadn't heard that before. And so, um, so long and short, we started in December, uh, November 1st, 2016. And um, as of earlier this week, we hit 500,000 subscribers on YouTube. So um, that's fantastic. And, um, and then last month we, this is, I think that's how I met you actually. Um, I, two months ago, we, we were saying like, we need to have, during the pandemic, we realized we need some insurance policy because we're a conservative channel and YouTube's not as friendly to people like us. And so <laughs> we wanted an insurance policy in case we got you know kicked off or something or you know demonetized because we had seen some of that happening. And so like, basically in um, this spring, I said like, let's start a podcast. And I had no clue about podcast. We had tried it, did like a SoundCloud thing and loaded some audio up on there and it wasn't like, wasn't working well and um so i started just doing research and then i had my team start like looking into things and so we launched the podcast july 1st and i think we just crossed a hundred thousand downloads um this week so um so and we still don't know what we're doing that's why i was talking to you so um uh, (laughs) we're we're trying to monetize that and kind of get it but i mean when you have a lot of youtube followers and you've done that right it's you know you can push people over so i think that's obviously one of the big thing so yeah so we're 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 um so dr steve turley's youtube so i'm i'm the president of turley talks i co-own the co-founded it co-own it with with uh, dr turley he's the face of it uh, very rarely will i ever be on the channel um he creates two videos a day interpreting um events if you're interested in 
looking at political things that are going on today, you will find a lot of information in there. And uh, it's, uh, it's, so it's been quite a ride with that. So that's a heck of a schedule. Yeah. <laughs> to a day. Yeah, he's, 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 he's very gifted. He's extremely gifted um, with content and um, he's, he's really good at it. And that's one of our things. That's what my team has done behind the scenes of myself, just free him up to be successful and create, so he can create content and, you know, and that's, you know, and we literally launched the podcast. So that's, that's also been really nice to have another outlet too. That's awesome. Well, listen, man, I want to thank you so much for coming on with Money Talkers with me today. Um, we're going to uh, hop off real quick so we can do the high impact series and uh, make sure that you go check out what Ralph's doing. Make sure you check out Turley Talks. And uh, if you're in the um, Christian school business or in the, uh, in that arena, you want to learn more, um, definitely check out what he has going there. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put some links to the book into the, uh, into the website, like we talked about in the, in the show notes. Thanks again, Ralph. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kid's financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker.